0: Excuse me, let me tell you something. When America opened the floodgates, what do you think they were doing it for? Because because they were trying to save us from poverty? No, they did it because they needed us. They needed us to build their cities and dig their subways and to make them richer. The Carnegie's and the Rockefeller's, they needed worker bees, and there we were. But some of us didn't wanna swarm around their hive and lose who we were. But we had the balls to take what we wanted. You been listening to me? You're born to this shit. You are what you are. We're in a situation where everybody involved knows the states. And if you're gonna accept those states, you gotta do certain things. soldiers. We follow codes, orders. All due respect, you got no fucking idea what it's like to be number one. This is the course I've chosen. And those of you that are not with me on it, well that makes me sad. And it'll be dealt with in time. Do you remember one thing that you better hear? Do you want to talk about this old school bullshit about the rules? Well, here's a rule you might remember. I'm the motherfucking fucking one who calls the shots.
1: All right, guys, welcome back. We are back. So this is probably going to be a very long episode. I say that because I'm going to try to get through this in one big chunk. And I hope that you just bear with a bitch, you know. So when we left off, we left off with a message that I had gotten from SecMet around April of 21. All about contracts and timelines and cycles and all that stuff. And then on May 7th, Enoch came through talking about the tarot and astrology and the pathways and learning Hebrew. We can't forget that. So again, for full transparency, like for a while, I called him Metatron. And I called him Metatron because that's how he was introduced to me based off how he introduced himself to me and what I was able to find. When I tried to figure out who exactly Enoch was, because I had no idea, I had no idea who Enoch was. I had no idea about the book of Enoch, none of that. That shit, right? What I was able to find on the allowed knowledge presented to us on the internet was that he was mentioned in the book of Genesis and walked faithfully by God. And I, again, for like full transparency, never read the Bible, can't make it past the first sentence. And I'm not disrespecting the things that are in the Bible, but I will say innately, I don't believe that everything in the Bible is factual. I'll put it that way. But I do give a lot of respect to people who study the Bible and understand it and all of that, you know, bless you because I cannot. But again, full transparency, never read it. So that's what came up when we when we Googled, right? In Jewish and Hebrew texts, that's where he's recognized as Archangel Metatron so that's when I was like oh okay they're the same they're the same person and then upon further investigation you know Enoch is the fourth grandson I believe I believe okay like don't don't come at me if I'm wrong on the the generational line but fourth grandson of Adam and is Noah's great-grandfather so I'm like hmm okay so there's some lineage going on here and that's when I found out that there's the book of Enoch which at that point never read never heard of none of that and upon looking into that that's when I realized that um, the book of Enoch was a book that Enoch was advised to write by God and God promised him that once it was complete he would make sure it would survive the floods to make it into the hands of Noah and in that investigation is when I realized his importance and the timing of him coming through because in some religions he celebrated on July 26th. And it was July 26th of 21. That was the day that I realized my oldest son's birthmark was gone and that there is a massive weight in regards to the knowledge of the cellular memory, the genetics, and our generational and karmic cycles. So it was very interesting that somebody was coming through that has a genetic connection to all these people, right? That I have never read about or have any knowledge about, and it all tied in together. Right. All right. So this is around the time that I started to really journal, apparently. And again, like I said before, within the last five months, they were like, you need to get all of your all of your shit together, Jen, and put it in order. And when I put everything in order over this last five months is when I realized is when I had my realization. Because on October 29th, three years after my dad came through, handed me a sword and started giving me three separate significant dates, my mother came through. Now for context, my mother transitioned June 22nd of 21. But when she came through, she said, rewrite the Bible accurately. And I couldn't have had a bigger fucking eye roll, okay? Because I wrote too, right? After she, after I wrote that, I looked at it and I was like, well, that's kind of difficult when you never read the Bible before, right? Now I've had further realizations since then, but that's what I wrote on October 29th. And then on November 8th, The other fucking date, I automatic wrote something that I titled The Soul's Evolution Explained. Now, I don't know how you guys feel about this. A lot of times when I read their messages through automatic writing and their wording, it's very dry. It can be very dry. It can be very hard to understand. But I am going to go through this based off what they said and explain the evolution of a soul. Some of this for full transparency was reworded in a context that was easier to digest. Okay, but I'll be transparent on what was my little add-ins versus what they exactly said. And when I say they, I am referring to Sekmet and to Enoch. For a hot minute, they came in pairs. Okay. This is what they said. At one point in all time and space within endless time, the one decided it wanted to experience itself. In order to do so, it had to experience outside of itself. In order to do that, it had to create. In order to experience and create It had to fraction, and in parentheses I put separate, itself from itself. And then I wrote my own thoughts, which were, for the record, I don't know when that happened or why that happened, right? Because we don't know. We don't know the exact moment in time when that actually occurred. And then they went on and said, this was the creation of souls. There is a difference, side note, there is a difference between a soul and a spirit. And we'll get there. Some of you might be familiar with this, but we'll get there. So she goes on, because even though Enoch is here, right? When I'm channeling all of this, it did not come through Enoch's voice. It came through Sekhmet's. So she goes on and says, again, more often than not, you are conditioned and taught to believe that to be a soul means you are automatically human, mind, body, and spirit. That was the first time for the record, too, that mind, body, and spirit became a thing because I say it that way repetitively now because I understand it. Anyway, she goes on and says, that is simply not the case. She's so blunt. Okay, so she says, that thought process implies that a soul is not subject to The evolution process, but everything you know of says all things, whether micro scale or macro scale, within the cosmic universal system will change, grow, and evolve with time why is that any different from a soul it's not she goes on and says the phases or evolution process of a soul's journey is designed for you fragments of the one to learn and gain awareness of the self which starts with understanding the internal workings of the self. Then you evolve and experience an internal awakening. Pin in that for a hot second. Basically what she's saying is that whenever creation began, the creation of us, of humanity. Let's put it that way. The one separated itself from itself, very similar to the way an embryo starts to separate itself in the womb. Okay. And I say it that way because that's, that's what I saw amongst reading this uh, and trying to understand it. But equal to that, there are nine phases. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit. There's nine phases, but there's two very, very important shifts That will occur within those nine phases. And the first one is the internal workings, understanding the internal workings of the self, of the one, okay? Because self and one, and self and the creator, and self and source, it's all the same thing. So, The first very big shift is learning the internal workings of the self. The second is the internal awakening of the self. Okay, so she goes on and says, Your first phase as a soul going through the evolution journey begins with polarization of beingness. And believe me, I didn't know what the fuck polarization of beingness was. Okay. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? It's pretty simple, but it sounds very intricate. At least it did to me. She goes on and says, it is what some refer to as the first dimension where you experience beingness separate from source, separate from the one, separate from the totality of self during this phase, when you experience beingness, it's best understood as what you call elements or anything that would be comparable to what you understand elements to be within this universe. When I reread this, I side noted on the side because it reminded me of the gospel of Thomas when Jesus said, split a piece of wood, I'm there, raise up a stone and you will find me there. It is I who am the light that proceeds over all. And again, coming from a bitch that That's never read the Bible, but that's what it reminded me of. So she goes on and says, once the first phase is complete, you will evolve to the second phase where you experience awareness of beingness. So we got polarization of beingness, and then we have awareness of beingness. And she said it was comparable to what we understand some plants and some animal life to be. Animals have an awareness. Trees have an awareness. There are certain plants and there are certain animals that have an awareness to them. And that's what she's talking about. The lessons within the second phase of awareness of beingness grants you further evolution towards understanding the internal self and the world around you. Okay got it she goes on and says that when that phase is complete you will enter and evolve to the third phase where you experience creative consciousness and awareness of beingness as a mind body and spirit so again there's a difference between a soul and a spirit right she says the lessons within this phase are lessons of creative choice of course, much more complex than the first two, but this phase allows experiences where a choice for a soul to consciously create are presented to them. She goes on and says when experiencing the third phase, a soul can choose to create in service to others or they can choose the opposite to create in service to self. But the only way for the internal awakening of consciousness to occur is when a soul chooses to be in service to others others now she's not saying being a doormat okay because it could be taken out of context that's not what she's saying she's saying that there's an awakening process that occurs and if you're listening to this like you're there okay you have to be you would not be listening to this I don't believe if you're not there because when you're in service to others it means that you understand even at the smallest amount you understand that everything is connected to everything and you wouldn't go about making a choice that would negatively affect the world around you. Because you understand that interconnectedness. She's not saying to be a doormat. She's saying the awakening is about understanding the interconnectedness of all things within your life. And making choices according to that awareness and understanding. Prior to that, that's when you see people making choices that are all about the self. So when a soul finally chooses within the third phase to be in service to others and do their very best to do that, that is when the internal awakening of consciousness begins and it's a doorway into the next phase to the fourth phase. So that choice allows you to enter into a doorway to begin the process of evolving into the fourth phase of your soul's journey. And the way that she described the fourth phase was living in a heart-centered awareness. And I believe, I could be wrong y'all, but I believe that she described it to me that way because that is the The way that we, I'll say, collectively understand love, unity compassion and wholeness we understand those things from the heart and she's saying that in this fourth level of your soul's evolution and journey you're living in that heart-centered awareness now she goes on and says the third and fourth phase are the only two phases of a soul's journey and evolution that is experienced within a mind body spirit experience the fourth phase is the last human physical mind body spirit experience. She says the fourth phase allows the mind to expand into further depths of its internal awakening of creation throughout all time and space. And this is when the awareness of multiple timelines can be understood. Why is this important? Well, we got a lot of people out there talking about timeline jumping, right? She's explaining this awareness so that it's not convoluted with all the regurgitated spiritual warfare jargon. You can have an awareness of multiple timelines, but it doesn't mean that you're jumping in the sense that so many regurgitate and like to believe in, right? And and that's where we're collectively going right now, okay? We are collectively within the human mind, body, spirit experience. We are collectively entering into the fourth phase, Why? Go back and listen to episode three. More and more people are walking away from things or people or experiences or whatever, belief systems that do not align. We are entering into a phase where humanity is learning to live in a heart-centered awareness. Once we do that, and I don't want to say like once we do that, but the next phase is the fifth phase. And the fifth phase is, again, non-human, non-physical, and you evolve to a being of enlightenment she actually turned she actually said beingness of enlightenment and this is where the term light being comes from so everybody out there that is saying we're going into the fifth dimension no the fuck we're not unless you're not physically here. You do not have a physical body when you are in the fifth stage of your soul's evolution and journey. She said, within this phase, the soul works to assist those who are going through the third and fourth phase. And the purpose of them doing this is so that they, in the fifth phase, learn to become master teachers. And the only way that they can do this is to remain linked with interaction and communication with those going through the third and fourth phase. And then she said, very comparable to what we know of. Or recognize as ascended masters and spirit guides and master teachers and all of that. Okay. Those are the light beings, the beingness of enlightenment. They assist us that's their job. Once that is graduated, a soul goes to the sixth phase. She said it consists of a much more complex but similar task-oriented compared to the fifth. The sixth phase is designed so these souls have an ability to oversee and assist those in the fifth. She said you can refer to them as the councils, because they are souls grouped together to assist the progress of those who are guiding in the fifth, who are guiding those in the third and fourth, right? And by the way, not for nothing, but Sekhmet is in the sixth phase. She is a part of the council. She refers to herself as being On the council, so then we go to the next phase. This is the seventh, and she said, This phase is what most call the Akashic records, as though it is a place. She said, This is where all the souls reside who operate within all time and space as pure and complete knowledge of the creation. And the self, always linked to prior phases, assisting souls in the sixth, who assist those in the fifth, who assist those in the fourth and the third. And then she says, the eighth phase, which by the way is the most fascinating one to me, is when a soul has another pivotal choice. So we've reached those two pivotal choices. Now, in the eighth phase, there's another very important choice. You can return to the one which is going to the ninth phase it's absolute oneness of totality and becoming one again with the one supreme being of or you can continue down the eighth phase and become creators of your own she worded it and said universe just like the one did in the very beginning Which, not for nothing, I don't believe in an outer space like up and beyond. And there's a reason for that. We'll get to that. But there are other planes of existence and it would explain such a thing that maybe we incorrectly call multiverses, okay? So that night, after she gives me all of this, I was greeted by my spirit guide. Um, I've talked about him before. What he told me went hand in hand with what she explained on a personal level, and it is what helped me understand things in greater depth, in regards to the process of a soul's evolution. Now, what's really interesting about when I channeled this is that I wrote it through automatic writing and then I recorded it. And when I listened back to it, I actually shared it with with a few close friends of mine because I didn't even sound like myself. I had the same mannerisms, like vocal mannerisms, but it did not sound like me. So it was super, super interesting to me. It was very weird. But this is what he said. Your first incarnation, a part, from the one supreme being of all was on what you call the planetary system Octoris B. During this experience, you learned interaction with other beings and the understanding of polarization of beingness, which simply means you were experiencing beingness separate from source. During this incarnation, your name was, and that's going to remain blank. Okay, for context, in the book, I did put a certain name that is not the name I was given for full transparency, your name given to you by the one supreme being of all, which is your eternal name. You shouldn't really be sharing with people. So he gave me the name and then he said you were experiencing life as consciousness through being the element comparable to water. This experience for your soul's growth allowed you to graduate to two dimensional reality or second density of awareness in beingness. And pin note in that he instead of using the word phase, replaced that with density. So density, dimensional, and phase seem to be all interchangeable. Within this second incarnation, experiencing awareness and beingness, you were what you would refer to as a tree, very similar to the willow tree that you love so deeply today. The lessons within this experience of awareness and beingness took, quote, several years, end quote, after that evolution of your soul was when you were, quote, recruited by a higher vibrational being by me, Orion. He goes on and says, my job is to, quote, protect and provide guidance, end quote, to your soul during the mind, body, spirit experience or third dimensional reality. The lessons acquired in the beginning of this, quote, recruitment were lessons of choice. The lessons of choosing to be of service to others versus service of self. Growing through those incarnations allowed you to have an internal awakening of consciousness. The internal awakening of consciousness you achieved then allowed you the opportunity and choice to polarize or split your soul into six fractions of higher consciousness for this current incarnation I'm just gonna stop right there for a hot second and let me tell you this happened almost two years ago to the day and it wasn't until about five months ago that I actually understood that because I was like what do you mean my soul is split into six fractions of higher consciousness for this current incarnation like it just it's very difficult to wrap your head around so I will get there I will explain that part anyways he goes on and says this graduation to heart-centered awareness or quote awakening of consciousness is what allows higher levels of consciousness to be released genetically from your DNA and thus enter into humanity's consciousness collectively. The purpose of those chosen to polarize the soul are chosen to usher in the fourth dimensional reality of mind-body-spirit experience and living in a heart-centered reality. And no, you are not the only one. There are currently 140 Forty-four million recruited souls within this mind body spirit experience all here with the purpose of helping others quote choose to be of service to others versus service to self to choose love over fear choosing this pathway is a major lesson for all of humanity in order to enter the fourth dimensional reality of the mind body spirit experience living within a heart centered reality bringing back perfect alignment with harmony and balance and cosmic universal order i know that this is a lot to take in it was a lot for me to take in i didn't understand it and like i said i really didn't understand it until until about five months ago but it was that time two years ago when a massive, and I mean far beyond what I just talked about, a massive amount of information started to come in and I had no idea what to do with any of it, you know? So okay, now Sekhmet and Enoch came in on the 8th of November. On the 11th of November, three days later, there was a lunar eclipse in Taurus. I had no idea why I wrote down that it was a lunar eclipse in Taurus. I am not an astrology person. But it was on the 11th of November of 21 when Sekhmet only came through and said, combine all your previous channelings. It's one big message. So I started to do that, you know, and that is something that is... I'm going to say at this time it's partially in Raised by Spirit because she came through again five months ago and advised me to do the same thing in conjunction with all of the dreams. So maybe I misunderstood it. Okay, so that happened. So then on the 23rd of November 2021, I had this vision, y'all. I had this vision. It is not right by any means for me to sit here and claim that I have had these prophecies in the manner that no one else has. Like I've gotten messages upon messages from people, you know, not even since I just started putting this out, but many people out there are having these these prophecies, whether by dreams or by visions or however they come. And there's a difference between, I'll say a false prophecy... And we'll get to why I'm I'm distinguishing between the two. But there's a difference. I didn't know what to do with this when I got it. I know I keep saying that, but I really didn't know what to do with this. Because I'm like, why do I know? And why don't other people know? I'm not claiming anything except for what I've seen. And I know many of you have seen several similar things. So it says, I have the prophecy of April 8th. 2024 being the end date of the seven-year tribulation. The vision included Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and Connecticut with markings in the sky. Further research was validated by the same astrology that was used by the three wise men who prophesied the birth of Jesus, which should be noted it is not the same as the more commonly known Eastern, Western, or even Chinese astrology. The only thing that I can say that might be remotely close would be Vedic astrology and at that i'm not i'm not an astrologer so i don't know so anyways the channel message was on april 8th 2024 there will be a lunar eclipse that marks and crosses the u.s skies between illinois kentucky tennessee missouri and arkansas all bridges to the u.s will fall fall was in quotations there will be temporary electricity outages caused by divine intervention this intervention is being done so that the unevolved souls in current Quote unquote, power cannot halt this and its full manifestation and reset. Along with that, there will be natural occurrences of floods that will divide the USA. There was a reference to 40 days and 40 nights, but I could not remember or accurately say that it was because of floods or outages or both or something. Else. I don't know. I do recall there being some reference to 40 days and 40 nights but I'm also going to say at this point in time I actually don't think it's 40 days I think it's 80 but we'll get there this will initiate a new way of transportation being implemented along with the creation of a more balanced and harmonized quote system set into place to overthrow the current system changes to humanity's DNA removing generational blockages will occur when I channeled this it came from a female at the time of channeling it I did not know know the female but I do know who it is we're we're gonna get to who it is so sit tight anyway so I wrote that down and read it back and didn't really know what to do with it but that night I had a dream and the only thing that I remember in the dream was that I was building a highway in the middle of the desert and it looked like it was Egypt that was it now I woke up the next day and I'm like it was irking me like I wanted to see if there was any significance or a connection to a highway being built in the middle of the desert in Egypt turns out there was it was called the King's Highway and if you're not familiar with this if you are wonderful you might have more information on it than I do but if you're not familiar with this it was a highway that was built in Egypt and it's called the King's Highway it's an ancient road that runs east of the Dead Sea and the Jordan Valley it's directly connected to Jesus and John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus's older cousin, and he he was the one that helped initiate Jesus's ministry, baptizing him in the Jordan River. The highway is mentioned in the Bible in several places, including Numbers 20, 17, 21, 22, and Deuteronomy 2, 27. That was something that I got on the internet. I have not read those verses. I am not familiar with those verses. That's what I wrote down when I was trying to figure out what this highway in Egypt was all about now amongst that it says that Moses was known as having requested permission to use this highway for passing through the territory of the Edomites so that's fine right so I wrote that figured out where the highway was about okay like I didn't do anything with any of that then two days later on the 25th I had a dream that I was pregnant and I had a sonogram and when I woke up I heard in a voice that 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 can never be duplicated this is the heartbeat of my creation yeah Two days after that, November 27th, is when I found the past life reading that I read in episode three, found it hadn't seen it in three years. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Now, the next documentation that I wrote down in my journaling, um, which again, all very relevant, is something that requires a little bit of context. So in September of 21, so we're going back to the summer. In September of 21, I used to do groups where I would have, you know, people come and we would meditate, we would talk. The topics were guided by what we collectively were going through and what spirit would come through and say and I, I lumped spirit together because it really depended who was going to come through. It could have been loved ones, it could have been guides, it just it depended. So it was spirit guided and I was holding groups and on September 12th of 21, we did a meditation at my house. And we were focusing, if I recall correctly, we were focusing on healing mother wounds. You know, everybody that was at that group, they had a similar experience in one way or another where either a mother was there and maybe a little overbearing or maybe a mother wasn't there at all or she was and she was neglectful or there was some something some wound that was experienced on the child end of receiving okay so we did a meditation And I never would meditate in a group setting. In fact, when I talked about, you know, going to the group meditation with a friend of mine, when I got introduced to all the past lives and stuff, like that's about the gist of my meditation. It's just not something that I do. And maybe I should. I don't know. It's just I don't do it. So when I would lead groups, I would guide them through the meditation. But I would not meditate myself. But I would see things that maybe they were experiencing that they need that that spirit needed me to address when we went through and we discussed it and the whole purpose of even doing that throughout any group so that you know the people could understand why they're receiving it and whatever they were receiving it so that they can take that and use that and feed themselves becoming spiritually self-sustainable that was always the goal no matter what I was doing and when everybody was in meditation. I saw this man walking across my field. And the best way that I know how to say this is that I knew it was Jesus, but it didn't look like the way Jesus is depicted. So everybody comes out of meditation. In my mind, I'm like, so Jesus is here cool and as everyone is explaining their meditation experience they all experienced seeing feeling or sensing Jesus in one way or another and I'm thinking to myself fuck they're never going to believe me but I don't have a poker face either and so they were all like what what is it Jen like who's here and you know fuck it, it was Jesus. Jesus has shown up. So that happened on September 12, 2021. Well, November 30th, 80 days later, when I woke up, all I heard was, you're on the right path and I heard it directly from Jesus's mouth. And I'm like, okay. Now, like I said, I never just said that there aren't things in the Bible that that aren't true. There's many things in the Bible, especially the older ones, the way older ones that are very true. Um, But there's a lot of things that are intentionally done with an ill intent. The Bible's not not an exception to that. But the next day, The next night, I should say, I believe it was the next night, because on December 1st, I had this dream. And this is where, to me it starts to get real interesting. So I'm going to tell you the dream exactly the way that I wrote it down. I dreamt of two men. One had light red hair and the other had dark hair. We were in some type of school setting, but I kept begging them to take me to Jerusalem and neither one of them would agree. I started yelling at them and telling them, no, you don't understand. I have the map and I know where the gold is. Take me to Jerusalem. They ended up both laughing at me and I I yelled louder, No, I know where the gold is. There is still remnants of the gold there. And then I showed them the map that was in my hand where it connected Jerusalem and Iran. Now, side note in that, I I have one specialty, literally, guys. I have one specialty. I have one fucking (laughs) specialty I can channel, you know? So I don't know the anatomy of the body to a great extent. I don't know the map of the United States, much less the map or even a prehistoric map. But after I had this dream, I realized that Iran was previously known as Persia. And that's exactly connected to the past life reading that I rediscovered three or four days prior to this dream. So I digress. I showed them the map and I showed them that there was a connection between Jerusalem and Iran and the connection between the kings there and the gold. So finally, after I showed them that, they decided that they were going to take me to Jerusalem. Now in between this, you're going to think that this might not have a relevance, but it does. In between that, being in the school, my mom was there. Now again, my mom had already transitioned at this point, but my mom was there and she was in a completely different section of the school that looked more like a facility. And she was absolutely delusional, like unable to function, extremely similar to like Alzheimer's or dementia, completely not aware of reality. And there were many other people in this part of the facility. Facility like that. No cognitive sense whatsoever. And then the scene quickly changed back to the two men taking me to Jerusalem, right? So once we got there, we were there with a whole bunch of other people that had went with us, but there was all these gray stone cement type of temples and structures is the best way I know how to describe it. And I brought the map with me. So when we got there, I started walking towards the temples and everybody else was going in the other direction. And when I started walking towards the temples, the two men followed me. And when we got up close, the only way I know how to describe it is they were like, circular type of temples like Stonehenge, but they were maybe only eight or ten foot tall and it was a solid structure. Now the two men stepped inside the temple. And even though it was a solid structure, I realized at that moment when they stepped in that I could see inside and I was the only one that could see inside. Nobody else knew what was going on on the inside. And then these two men ended up hanging upside down by their feet, staring face to face at each other. Like it was a fucking stare off, but I knew it wasn't a stare off. It was a fight. Now side note in that, I don't like gruesome shit. I don't like gruesome things in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So I know that it sounds odd that they're having this stare off, but I can only assume that I saw it that way because they know that I'm not going to respond well to gruesome things. So anyways, so they have this stare off and I knew it was a fight. Well, the lighter red haired guy, he ended up winning the fight. And once they were done, they came outside of the temple. The darker haired guy comes up to me and I'm like yelling at him. I'm like, I don't know what you guys are fighting over. Like this is a little ridiculous. This is not what we came here for. And he looked at me like dead in my soul and said, don't you understand? We're fighting over you. And I replied in a very human way, in a very deep to deep way. I'm like, no, actually, I didn't. Thank you very much. So after that, I ended up having to go with the red haired guy because he was the one that won. And there was a lot of sexual energy that suggested me going with this red hair guy was way more than just a friendship. So nothing happened. It was just the energy behind it. At the very end of the dream, the darker hair guy comes up to me and he hands me a St. Germain pendant, very similar to little medals that are on rosaries. And I had to carry this with me. And then he kept giving me like other items like beige and gold sandals to wear. And when I woke up, I heard David and Goliath Okay, so at the time, I didn't realize that when the darker hair guy gave me the St. Germain pendant, that that in a way was a message like, hey, Jen, by the way, this goes back two years at the time, two years to when you got introduced to St. Germain, didn't put two and two together. For the record, it was this time, so the end of 21, when I started to not only just have dreams, but wake up and hear people saying certain things. Before that, that never happened. Never, not once. And since then, that is a common theme. So when I woke up and I heard David and Goliath, I'm like, what? Now, there is a common theme that's gonna start building here. And just as a heads up to y'all, like I said, this is why I'm very transparent. I never read the Bible. I don't know how to explain it. I always knew innately that there was truth to it, but equal to that, I knew that there was so much that was convoluted in there, it was almost like I was never guided to read it because it would give me a biased opinion possibly. That's just a thought. But there is a common theme that's building that you're going to see that a lot of things started to be biblically related. So I didn't know about who David and Goliath was. I knew the basis of it. You know, David killed the giant. That That's what I knew. I didn't understand the weight and importance of that story. Okay. So before we get into that, seven days later, on December seventh, I channeled the following message via automatic writing. And it's said, the practice and belief during the years leading up to and after King Solomon, King David, Jesus, Magdalene, etc., where they were only allowed to have intercourse at certain times of the year was due to the fact that they believed in practice this was the prime time for a king soul to enter into the mind-body-spirit experience and for the holy bloodline to continue with the enlightened ones. After hearing about David and Goliath and looking into that story, I notated underneath this message that that was when I began to contemplate that there was a pattern connected to King David's story and Jesus and Magdalene's story and and that it tied into love you know relationships soulmates if you will but more importantly karmic and generational cycles the next day I had a dream and all I remember from the dream was the date April 17th So pin in that real quick, because I dreamt of April 8th, 2024, and then April 17th. No year was associated to the April 17th date. Now, before I get into what I heard when I woke up, I'm going to give you a disclaimer. And this is why I say, like, I'm sharing the information because... I know in my soul that it's important. And I know that there's many of you out there that have other pieces that are equal in value. And I know that because I found some of you that I'll be referencing soon. And I know that because some of you have reached out to me with your own experiences. But I'm not saying by any means that... April 8th is the day. I know that it's it's an important day because that's what was in the channeled message. But as you can tell thus far, that our concept of time and their concept of time in relation to when things happen, I mean, even if you've ever gotten readings or sessions before with me, you know, time is a construct. And it's not something that higher dimensional beings and souls, it's not something that they're bound to. So I'm in no way saying that April 8th is like significant in a way where you might see things happening I don't know I really don't know it could be it could not be I'm not sure but okay so December 8th so again I'm getting all of the dates that my dad gave me two years prior so December 8th I dreamt of the date April 17th and I wasn't going to say this, but apparently they're telling me that it's important. The only other part of that dream that I remember is that four women died. And I don't remember who the women were. I feel like I knew who they were by mutual friendships but there's that was it April 17th and four women died but when I woke up this is what I heard anything holy is concealed this was done as an attempt to destroy the holy bloodline and lineage being righteous is about rebelling against anything that goes against the cosmic universal laws of balance and harmony look up psalm 55 yep You heard that right. But I really did have to look up Psalm 55. I had no idea that Psalm 55 was connected to King David. That was connected to David and Goliath. That was connected to everything going forward. I had no idea. Again, if you have more understanding and knowledge of this, I'm not saying what I notated and looked up is end all be all but I am sharing what I felt was important upon research after receiving messages. So I wrote the following. Upon my research, it looked as though this is why we are taught things like Jesus was poor when he wasn't, because he wasn't, he was in a royal bloodline, or equally, David committed adultery when he didn't. Jesus was born into a royal family, or at the very least, a well-established family, known with a high status. King David did not commit adultery because there was a law passed that stated, Every soldier that went to war had to divorce their wives prior to deployment. This law was made because if they didn't divorce their wives, when the men went off to war and they died, then their wife would be widowed forever. They would not be able to remarry and they would not be able to have any more children. And that law was implemented by King David. Why? He was the king. So he was like, this is what's going to happen. Again, I'm not educated, or I wasn't educated at the time in regards to the lineage of all of this. Psalm 55 is a prayer for God to help King David, the second king of Israel. It is known as the prayer of an afflicted man. It is also believed to have been written during the time of rebellion against him. Now notice the word rebellion, because that was the word that they mentioned to me when I woke up. So the psalm is divided into three parts. Verse 1 through 8 is David's plea to God to help against his enemies. Verses 9 through 15 is David's cry over the betrayal of a close friend who his close friend was originally the counselor for him and he was the one that betrayed David and verses 16 through 23 is David's trust in God's protection and justice the psalm begins with David's plea to God to hear his prayer and not ignore his plea he expresses his distress over the threats of his enemies which have brought suffering upon him in verses 4 through 5 he describes the anguish he feels in his heart and the fear and trembling that has troubled him he then expresses his desire desires to fly away like a dove and be at rest. In verses 9 and 15, David cries over the betrayal of a close friend who has turned against him. He describes how he could endure insults from an enemy. But it is a betrayal of a friend that has caused him great pain. And in verses 16 through 23, David expresses his trust in God and his protection and justice. He calls upon God to sustain him and never let those who rebel against win. Now I rewrote those who rebel against the cosmic universal laws win. So again, wrote that, uh, looked into it and just tucked it away. Guys, I just tucked it away. And then on December 8th, okay, same day, woke up, heard. The holy bloodline is concealed. Anything holy is concealed. Being righteous is about rebelling against anything that goes against the cosmic universal laws of balance. I looked up Psalm 55, started to realize that there was a theme with David and a holy lineage. I was introduced to a being named Sophia. Now, before I get into what I channeled from her on December 8th, Let me just explain. I did not know who Sophia was and there wasn't anything, and I don't think there is at this time, anything out there that really holds any truth to her. I could be wrong. I just haven't found it. So I'm going to skip ahead and I'm going to explain who Sophia is and then I'm going to tell you what I channeled on December 8th. There are some things out there that suggest that Sophia was Jesus's twin. There are some references out there that she's an archon and an archon is another descriptive word that is suggestive of a demon. There's really a bunch of different things out there. Now Sophia, the word, and this is really really important going forward the word is is something that has evolved throughout time, but its original root meaning is wisdom. And so it's intertwined into philosophy, but that's what Sophia means. Sophia means wisdom. Okay. I might be skipping ahead a little bit here, but for context, this is really, really important. When I asked who Sophia was, it was Enoch that came through and said, she is the soul that has graduated to the eighth phase of her soul's evolution, not her spirit, her soul's evolution. And she is the creator of this universe okay now the most high the one spring being of all is always going to be at the tippy motherfucking top but again she's gone through this evolution of her soul where she could have returned to totality returned to the most high where she had that choice where she could be a creator she had all of these awakenings she understood the self she understood the most high she wanted to create her own universe and so she was granted that now this is what i channeled december 8th, 2021. More than 225 million years ago, pre-karma, Sophia loved her creation and the souls growing through and evolving in her universe so much that she too wanted to experience it. At the time, the one supreme being of all and Sophia agreed and allowed fragments of Sophia's higher self to descend into the third dimensional experience, the mind-body-spirit experience, experience within her creation. Okay, so within this plane of existence, because they were all fragments of Sophia, they were made in her image, made perfect, whole, and complete. However, as always, there were cosmic universal laws that were to be followed to maintain the balance and harmony within. One of them was never to interfere with the process of organic evolution, which was and is a soul's journey within the mind body spirit experience within her universe. So pin in that those souls that decided that they wanted to experience the mind body spirit experience here in her universe as a part of their soul's evolution. I refer to them as the organics. They were organically evolving here. I'm only separating the two the children and the organics for context. Okay now the rule was the children fragment of Sophia were never allowed to reproduce or mix their genetics with the organic souls. The children were designed with complete matching DNA strands so that they could remain balanced and one with nature easily during this experience. Because they weren't allowed to procreate with the organics but they were designed and it was agreed upon that they could evolve. They were created with a prostate and a Ability to procreate by themselves. Don't ask. I don't have all the answers that's what I wrote. This allowed their souls to grow and continue without interbreeding and disrupting the organic soul's growth and evolution therein. And again, I'll remind you, none better than another. So it goes on and says, the organics, the organic souls, were going through their own soul's journey needed for their own soul's growth towards awareness and consciousness within Sophia's universe, organically evolving within this realm of existence. The children being, you know, fra Fragments of Sophia's higher self had already gone through all those experiences, so to speak, right? They've already, you know, they like skipped ahead, if you will. They didn't have to go through phase one, phase two. They just descended, fragmented into the third, okay? These children were the ones who lived a very matriarchal lifestyle, and they did this because that is what maintains the balance and harmony within her universe. Now, this might not make sense to you right now, but trust me, trust me, this will make sense. Okay, so they lived a matriarchal lifestyle because that lifestyle is what is a part of this cosmic universal balance and harmony And it maintains the balance and harmony within this universe. So it says, lastly, upon their descent into the mind, body, spirit experience, they were granted the gift of remembrance, remembering all the sacred knowledge obtained throughout Sophia's soul's evolution. And this includes herbal medicines, you know, the moon cycles, all the wisdom obtained throughout her evolution that was used for the creation of this universe. They remembered it. Okay. So they didn't descend into this universe, this realm of existence with a veil, so to speak. They remembered everything. Now, their purpose and the permission that was granted by the Most High for Sophia to do this was solely to experience the joy within her creation. That was the sole purpose of it. If any of this, and I don't think it will, but if any of this doesn't resonate with you, please continue to listen because. I have, again, over the last five months, additional pieces to back this up. So bear with a bitch. So it goes on and says, the children are the original O negative bloodlines, the universal bloodline aligning with the Neanderthal era, as they are an entirely different species within the mind body spirit experience. They are not demons, fallen angels, or aliens. Again, pin in this, and I'm going to say at this point in time, when I'm channeling all this, even though Enoch has come through, and now I'm getting introduced to a woman named Sophia and Jesus has come through and Sekhmet has come through and we're getting all this biblical information. When I read this back, And she said, they are not demons, fallen angels, or aliens. At the time, I still had not read the book of Enoch, where it talks about the demons and the fallen angels. But we're going to get there. Because when she says they are not demons, fallen angels, nor aliens, I'm going to skip ahead just a bit. And I'm going to say that she said this with a purpose. Because there are demons, there are fallen angels. And this is exactly where we're going with all of this. But I think that's why she was specific in saying that these were not demons. These were not fallen angels because in the very beginning she's specific to say I was granted permission okay so again we're getting there so she says in time the children did cross paths with the organic souls that were evolving and she made mention that they were evolving as strong Cro-Magnum souls so again I don't know I don't know you know all the ins and outs of the quote-unquote scientific you know Neanderthal period and the Cro-Magnum period and the homo sapiens I don't know that stuff. But that is what she said, so it is important. Then she says the organic souls were not yet equal within their DNA, genetics, and soul evolution when compared to the children. So she's making a clear distinction that there is a difference in species between these children and the organic souls that were evolving at that point in time, somewhere between the Neanderthal period and the Cro-Magnon period, right? Clear difference when they cross paths when the children cross paths with your organics the children wanted to guide them and teach them and help them get to the higher levels of consciousness and understand the ways of living in balance and harmony now I'm going to say this I'm just going to put a pin in this because that went against the rules <laughs> it went against the rules because in the book of Enoch, and again, I'm sorry if I'm skipping ahead, but in the book of Enoch, uh, the Most High says to Enoch, you know, that is what men are seeking to learn. So again, whole whole point of coming here is to grow and evolve, right? Well, when the children stepped in and they wanted to help teach and guide, to me, in my own words, I would say, well, that's... Blurring the lines a little bit, right? So she goes on and she says the ancient tribes that you know of today were led by these children because they were equally known as the first shamans who taught of dream interpretation and herbal medicines and how to cure diseases and the understanding of the moon cycles and all of that stuff, right? These children thought teaching the organics would help guide them through their own soul's evolution and journey. And then it says, unfortunately, this went against the cosmic universal laws that were set into place by the one supreme being of all to maintain balance and harmony. Then she said, the last part of the This channeled message from Sophia, she said, it was at this time, 430,000 years ago, when the one supreme being of all created the council, and the birth of karma was inserted in the cosmic universal laws. Okay, so she's explaining so much here, obviously, but what she's saying is 430,000 years ago, there was not a council. So again, going back to the sixth phase of a soul's evolution, there really wasn't a council needed here. Now, whether or not there's a council in other places, I don't have all the answers. But she is saying that 430,000 years ago, there was a council of beings in the sixth phase of a soul's evolution that was applied here and equal to that what we know as karma was also inserted into the cosmic universal laws. Why? Now this is something that I came to the realization thereafter but I'm going to tell you the why. The why is is because prior to those lines being blurred everything operated in perfect harmony and balance and when soul's started to, whether it be the children or the organics, you know, one or the other or both, I don't know. And I'm not going to sit here and and point a finger, but the lines definitely got blurred. And Blurring those lines made it so that in the simplest of ways of understanding this, humanity and mankind, we started to go against the laws, which created an imbalance because again, karma's job as we know it is to restore things back to balance. So karma was inserted within the laws that we're all governed by at this point. That was done and inserted 430,000 years ago because of what she just explained. After I got done channeling that, I made a notation because I was reminded of what Sekhmet said back in April of 21. So eight months prior, Sekhmet said it was during this shift. We didn't know at that point in time in April. We didn't know what shift she was talking about. But she said it was during this shift, a group of souls who supported a patriarchal way of life collectively and collectively and intentionally kept what once was common knowledge a secret and formulated a plan to use that now referred to as secret knowledge to harness as much energy as possible from the human life force within the collective mind body spirit experience you call this the fall of man and skewed religious texts with intentionally rearranged incorrect timelines throughout time this knowledge that has been hidden has been used to obtain excessive amounts of humanity's energy through the emotions as time proceeded the blind participation of this way of living grew creating more and more of a ripple effect throughout space and time creating what you call generational cycles and a prolonged journey of the collective soul's journey of the mind body spirit experience back to oneness it prolonged the journey so Sekhmet technically gave information prior to Sophia coming through and talking about this when Sophia says 430,000 years ago the council was formed Karma was inserted into the cosmic universal laws. Sekhmet told us it was at that time, it was that choice that rippled throughout and formulated the counsel and karma to be incorporated within our experience, right? So this was the last part of her message. Starting in the year 2024, there will be massive shifts collectively starting in the United States, but slowly migrating worldwide that begins to phase out the old patriarchal way of living, ushering in the universal ways of living. And I just want to point out here, she didn't say patriarchal and matriarchal. She said patriarchal and universal. So she goes on, she says you are seeing this now with more and more people practicing spirituality and aligning themselves with what is most suitable for them. That's almost identical to what Sekhmet said, walking away from things that no longer serve us. So she goes on and says, humanity's genetics are releasing more and more of the knowledge and gift of remembrance that has been with them all along, stepping out of the patriarchal way of living into a more matriarchal lifestyle and alignment with their soul's purpose. This is being done to make way for future generations of humanity's evolution to enter into and evolve therein. As you continue to evolve genetically and organically, all will break free from what you call generational cycles and karma, erasing the trauma from humanity as a whole, collectively returning back balance and harmony and a heart-centered mind-body-spirit experience for all as it was originally designed. As you continue along this journey, this includes all lies created since then and therein that for thousands and thousands of years have been ruling over the collective's journey. These lies will continue to be exposed and all knowledge and awareness will continue to be released within your genetic makeup through your DNA and brought into your awareness. For there is Is nothing and no one that can halt or hinder its full manifestation. That was all received December 8th, 2021. I know that this is a long one, guys, and I know that there's a lot of pretty deep information in this episode. We have, in the course of two years at this point. Well, technically, it's longer than that. But you know, I begin this journey of my life without any of this knowledge, always knowing who my guide is. Now, according to how they explained the evolution of a soul and the titles therein, you know, always being guided by somebody who per their description would be in the fifth phase of their soul's evolution as a guide, right? A light being, a guide. Now, according to my guide, when he advised me that, you know, this was your journey and this is your purpose and all the stuff that he said earlier, it seems as though I entered this mind-body-spirit experience already living in a heart-centered awareness. So what that implies for others is that... There are many others out there that have already entered into this incarnation, already having made that choice and living in that fourth phase of their own soul's evolution. Okay, then two years ago, I start getting introduced to St. Germain, Saint Michael and Sekhmet who according to her according to context is in the sixth phase right because she's in the council then I slowly get introduced to Enoch who I can only assume fits in the category of the seventh phase of their own soul's evolution, because in the book of Enoch, and we're going to get into all of that, but in the book of Enoch, he says that he is the only one who will see all the things. And from what we know, he is the only one that has seen all the things. And then I get introduced to Sophia, who again, from context, eighth phase, right? Creator of this realm of reality. So I know that this is a lot, but I'm going to let you guys simmer on that. Please let me know what your thoughts are. Let me know if you've had any experiences that are similar. If you have questions, like just let a bitch know. But that's where we're at. By the end of 2021 and going forward in the future episodes, I start to receive more information in regards to the giants, more information in regards to souls that are in higher phases and information that I did not know was correlated with the information within the book of Enoch.